Good to see everyone this morning. Appreciate you all being in attendance to worship our God on this first day of the week. Thank you, John, for leading our singing. I especially thank him because I was on the duty roster to lead singing. So my comments are purely selfish. Thank you, John, and I appreciate you guys being here. And it's always good to see returning familiar faces and family. And it's always uh, somewhat of a homecoming. Um, but we are sad when they leave, but that's the way it goes. Uh, it's good to have visitors among us as, as well, and it's good to have our uh, regular members here. It's good to have our dear brother Hank and dear sister Nellie here, and let's pray for our sister Nellie that uh, this little, little tumble won't result in anything bad, and they are indeed an inspiration to us, and we appreciate your commitment to the Lord, and um, far and above probably what a lot of us would do to be here on a Sunday morning. We thank you for that, dear brother and dear sister. You know, um, I want to speak this morning about um, our companionship, and particularly, let's qualify that with talking about our Christian companionship. You know, Bible talks a lot about um, Christians being together, and not just on uh, or coming together as the church to worship. Certainly, there's Plenty written about that and, and inferred from that from what we read, but we also read them about them coming together just to be together, to in, enjoy certain things and, and to be together and encourage one another. And so we, uh, as um, Christians ourselves, we ought to look at those examples and realize that there's something we can learn from that. And it's not um, really an option. <laughs> that we choose whether or not to be together. Scripture tells us we ought to be together. Scripture tells us that we ought to come together, not just as the body, the church, and to worship, but to be together to encourage one another and to, uh, and to share in the fellowship. We're going to talk a little bit more about that word fellowship in just a little bit, but uh, to, to just be amongst each other. And there's uh, a lot that we can gain from that. It's a way that we can strengthen ourselves, a way that we can build up uh, our own spirit and our own faith. So this morning, I'd like to look at some examples from Scripture about Christians being together. I want to talk about um, the reasons why we, we need to be together. Not just that we are, but why. And as we close, we'll look at some, some practical applications, some ways that we can consider that we might come together. And, and participate in these things that we'll talk about, encouragement and teaching and learning and all those things. So let's start by looking at uh, some first century Christians and, and look and see what they did and, and learn from their example. Um, first, let's, let's consider the disciples. You know, the disciples of our Lord, uh, they spent a lot of time with Jesus. His ministry was about three years long and some of his disciples were with him day and night. Others were, were, would come and go, but we see a lot of them spending a lot of time with our Lord. And they learned, uh, not only by his teaching, but by his example, the life that he led. But certainly by his teaching. Look in Matthew chapter 4. <clears throat> Matthew chapter 4. This is... Uh, 
the Gospel writer Matthew's account of Jesus early in his ministry. Uh, as he um, begins his, his ministry after being tempted in the wilderness by the devil. And he calls those first disciples there. We read up there in verse 18 about how he was walking by the Sea of Galilee and he sees Peter and Andrew and calls them to, uh, to be his disciples. And his message is going to be throughout his uh, ministry is to repent for the kingdom of heaven is at hand. And that indeed is what John the Baptist preached when he was uh, the predecessor, the, 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 the precursor to our Lord coming. That's what John taught. Repent for the kingdom of heaven is at hand. We come to verse 23 of chapter 4 in Matthew. It says, And Jesus was going about in all of Galilee, teaching in their synagogues and proclaiming the gospel of the kingdom. There's that kingdom again. Proclaiming the gospel of the kingdom. And healing every kind of disease and every kind of sickness among the people. And the news about him went into all Syria, and they brought uh, to him all who were ill, taken with various diseases and pains, uh, demoniacs, epileptics, paralytics, uh, and he healed them. Verse 25, it says, And great multitudes followed him from Galilee and Decapolis and Jerusalem and Judea and from beyond the Jordan. If you look over in John chapter 6, this is somewhat of a parallel to um, what is written there. It's not exactly because John doesn't follow strictly um, or as strict as the other gospel writers as far as chronology goes. But in John chapter 6, uh, he says there, beginning in verse 1, After these things, Jesus went away to the other side of the Sea of Galilee uh, for Tiberias, and a great multitude was following him because they were seeing the signs which he was performing on those who were sick. And Jesus went up to the mountain, and there he sat with the disciples. And thus begins the Sermon on the Mount that Matthew records beginning in chapter 5. So you see these disciples, that they're, they're following along with Jesus. They're going along with him, going from place to place, as it were. And they're learning from his teaching. You know, if you think about uh, the situation that they were in, we, we sometimes say that they didn't realize that it was Jesus on the earth. A lot of them did. At least a lot of them recognized that his teachings were not like anything else they've heard. It says that they recognized that he taught with authority. The message that he was proclaiming was from God. So at least they recognized that. And it comes to over to Acts chapter 4, verse 13. It says, now as they observed confidence of Peter and John and understood that they were uneducated and untrained men, this is the time over there in Acts when Peter and John had been arrested and, and they realized uh, exactly, you know, these men, um, they're uneducated. But how is it that they know so much about God? It says there they were amazed and began to recognize them as having been with Jesus. This is how these uneducated men can make such an impression on those of authority in the Jewish faith. They knew that they were uneducated as far as what we call in the South book learning. But they had been with Jesus. They had seen the things that he had done. They had heard his teaching, and they were learning from him. By the time we get to Acts chapter 4, they were endowed with the Holy Spirit. And being led into all truth. And they knew from what they were speaking. 
They recognized that they had been with Jesus and they absorbed and understood his teaching. What about the early converts? What about those after those first disciples? We read a lot about them in Acts, the book of Acts. We see them spending time together. And as such, we see them, that's a factor in their conversion. Look over in uh, Acts chapter 20. Acts chapter 20, beginning of verse 17. It says, And from Miletus he set sail to Ephesus, and called to him the elders of the church. That's Luke here speaking about Paul. And when they had come to him, he said, You yourselves know from the first day that I set foot in Asia, how I was with you for the whole time. Now if you go back to chapter 19, where it talks about the time that he spent in Ephesus during his third missionary journey, it was about two years. So he'd spent quite some time with the the brethren there in Ephesus. And look what he says there, beginning of verse 19. Serving the Lord with all humility and with tears and with trials which came upon you, uh, came upon me through the plots of the Jews. How I did not shrink from declaring to you anything that was profitable and teaching you public and from house to house. Solemnly testifying to both Jews and the Greeks to the repentance towards God and faith in our Lord Jesus Christ. You see, Paul had, had spent some time with these brethren. He'd been through hardship with them, been through trials. But he says there that I didn't hold back from teaching you anything. I taught you the whole counsel of God, he'll go on to say. And how important that was. How important it was for them to, to not only hear what Paul had to say, but to see a man living a life devoted to Christ. You know, coming together and being together uh, is a, fact, a factor in our communal faith, the faith that we share together. It's important in that. Look over in Acts chapter 2. A familiar passage here. This is on the day of Pentecost when Peter stands up and and, and delivers that sermon and convicts the Jews of what they had done, put to death the Son of God. And of course, we know what they, they say, men and brethren, what shall we do? And Peter tells them to repent and to be baptized. And after that, come down to verse 44, and it says, And all those who had believed were together and had all things in common. And they began selling their property and possessions and were sharing them with all as any might have need. And day by day, continuing with one mind and temple and breaking of bread from house to house, they were taking their meals together in gladness and sincerity of heart, praising God and having favor with all the people. And the Lord was adding to their number day by day those who were being saved. See that house to house there again? Paul said, uh, said that over there in chapter 20. Not only was he teaching in the synagogues, but he was going house to house. How important is it for us to be in each other's homes? Brethren, I say it's very important. It's very important for us to go into each other's homes and check out all the things on their shelves, right? To see how they live, to see how, you know, how we live, and I, I say that in jest, but I think you understand what I'm saying. There's more to being a Christian than coming here on Sundays and Wednesdays. We need to be involved in each other's lives. 
to realize how we might come to know them better and thus how we can encourage them all the more. See the needs that they might have that they might not express to you. But if you can see them firsthand, you might understand how you might encourage them, help them, help them get along. But this is what the, 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 these early Christians realized, and they were celebrating their faith. The celebrating the very nature of their, their companionship, what they had in common. If you look over in chapter 4, Brad read this for us, we won't read the whole thing there, but verse 32 of chapter 4, it says, And the congregation of those who believe were of one heart and soul, and not one of them claimed that anything belonging to him was his own, but all things were common property to them. You know, they realized, and, and this is not a, um, a sermon that we should sell everything and, and enter into some kind of a social contract together. That, that, that's, that's not the point. The point is that they, whatever each of them had need, these people were seeing to it. They were divesting themselves of their own property as others had need. We can learn a lot from that. Uh, you know, we live in a very affluent society. We have lots of things. We have lots of blessings. What of that are you willing to part with to help your brother? These were willing to part with everything. Selling property. Donating and laying the proceeds at the apostles' feet. It's a pretty good example, isn't it? These early converts, they recognized that this communal faith that they had was important. And it's important to be together. You come down to chapter 5 and verse 12. It says, And at the hands of the apostles many signs and wonders were taking place among the people, and they were all with one accord in Solomon's portico. You know, there's that idea again of all being together, all being of the same mind. How important that was for these early Christians. So why be together? Made mention of this along the way, but why is it that we should, should, should spend time together? Well, we've learned and seen already uh, some pretty good reasons. One is that we learn by example. We see each other in in our homes or outside of the church building and we learn how to live life we pick up on things how does a Christian go about his daily life when he runs into somebody that's not very nice to him how does he treat that person how does she treat that person you can learn a lot from that the do's and don'ts look over in 1 Thessalonians chapter 2 1 Thessalonians 2. Here again, Paul talking about spending time with the brethren. And here he expresses it so beautifully of how he spent time with these brethren. In Thessalonica, he says, But we prove to be gentle among you as a nursing mother tenderly cares for her own children. This is 1, Timothy, or 1 Thessalonians 2, verse 7. As a nursing mother tenderly cares for her own children. Isn't that a beautiful way to think about it? What greater love is there for a, a, a mother and her child, her nursing child? Having thus a fond affection for you, we were well pleased to impart to you not only the gospel of God, but also our own lives, because you had become very dear to us. See, it's not just the teaching, it's everything. 
What can I do for you, brother? What can I do for you, sister? All that I have. Verse 9. For you recall, brethren, our labor and hardship, how working night and day, so as not to be a burden to any of you, we proclaim to you the gospel of God. You are witnesses, and so is God. How devoutly and uprightly and blamelessly we have behaved toward you believers. Just as you know how we were exhorting and encouraging and imploring each of you as a father would his own children. So that you may walk in a manner worthy of God who calls you into his own kingdom and glory. As a father would treat his children. So we learn by example. Paul not only telling them the gospel, but Showing them how to live a life as a Christian. Certainly important in this time. This is a new faith. How is it that I am to live a life to Christ? Paul's demonstrating how to do it. One other thing we can think about in uh, why we come together, and it's the idea of, of sharing in the happiness and sorrow. You know, in Romans chapter 12 and verse 15, Rejoice with those who rejoice and weep with those who weep. You know, that's, a, uh, that's not a, um, advice. That's a command. You need to do this. You need to encourage each other. If someone is rejoicing, rejoice with them. If they're weeping, cry with them. And as we said earlier on, being close to someone, making those connections, being involved in their life, it helps you in this. You know when they're happy. A lot of us can put on a, a brave face for a couple of times a week. How are we really in our own lives? This is an opportunity for us to rejoice when times are happy, when family's in town, when the birth is in the family. And we weep with those who weep when there's a death in the family when there's some kind of tragedy, when there's hardship. In this, we can understand the importance of our association. This cuts both ways. As Paul writes in 1 Corinthians 15 and verse 33 about how bad company corrupts good morals. See, that's the other side of all of this. The other side is, if you're not spending time with, with Christians and you are spending time with people, who are those people you're spending time with? What are they doing for your faith? What are they doing to encourage you? What are they doing towards your worldliness? Are they promoting it? Or are they trying to drag you away from the world and towards the Lord? See, that cuts both ways. Our associations are very important. And if we're not spending time with Christians, not spending time with those who we share this like precious faith, then I'm afraid, brethren, we are being dragged in the other direction. And the worldliness and, and sin is not treated as it should. It's not treated with the, the seriousness that it should be. Sin is what separates us from God. Are you willing to, by your associations, be separated from God? So what's some practical things? How, how can we be together? How can we uh, spend more time together? And this is not the end-all, be-all, and this is certainly not a, a laundry list, but a few things to think about. Uh, first of all, and this might go without saying, but seek out relationships with Christians. There's the, the easy answer, right? 
What relationships do you have with other Christians? If you want more friends in your life, if you want more people in your, involved in your life, this is where you ought to go first. This is the group of people that you ought to seek out because you have so much in common with them. You know, we may work with certain people and, and have people, our neighbors, and, and we have that, those kind of relationships. But think about the relationship of your eternal soul. Don't you want to be around people who value that relationship, who seek after things that will in, in, ensure that their eternal soul lives in heaven? The other thing that goes right along with that is to make it a priority. You know, it's, it's, it's like we mentioned at the beginning, it's, it's not really an option. You know, we, we, we need to be together. We need to be encouraging one another. How can we encourage one another if we don't see one another? So it needs to be made a priority in our lives. The relationships that we have, make it a priority, those relationships to be with Christians. And so as you do that, you look for opportunities. You look for opportunities to be together, whatever it might be. Fishing, golf, all those things that we can enjoy together while we're together, but our first fishing buddy ought to be a Christian, if, if at all possible. Our golf buddy ought to be a Christian. I'm not saying that we have to come out of the world. Paul says we don't, we're not to do that. But our priority, the, the, where we should place our emphasis is on those relationships with other Christians. And let's talk about this idea about fellowship. Sometimes I think we, we might use that term um, not quite uh, as accurately as we could. Sometimes we say, let's come together and we'll fellowship. We've probably said that somewhere along the way. I, mean, I know I have. But is that really the most accurate way of saying that? What are we coming together, if we come together to fellowship, why do we have to come together to fellowship. Paul describes the fellowship that we have this way. In 1 Corinthians 1 and verse 9, it says, God is faithful uh, through whom you were called into fellowship with his son, Jesus Christ our Lord. Brethren, we have fellowship through Jesus Christ. So our fellowship is not um, dependent upon us um, coming together to share a meal. That's come out go against what I've just been teaching, right? <laughs> but the idea here is that the fellowship is there. When we come together, maybe we should think about celebrating the fellowship. Maybe we should think about strengthening the fellowship. Maybe we should think about enjoying the fellowship. You see, we have fellowship one with another as Christians. And what greater fellowship do we have than that with his son, Jesus Christ. So the fellowship that we share transcends this world. We have fellowship with God the Son. And as such, we have the, the relationship with God the Father. And isn't that wonderful to think about? So when we come together, let's celebrate our fellowship. Let's talk about our fellowship. Let's enjoy the fellowship that we have. The fellowship's already in place. We don't need to come together to fellowship. We need to come together to celebrate that fellowship that we have.
One thing that we can understand in, in this is that, that we ought not to exclude anybody. You know, human nature and, and, and be it whatever it is, we're guilty of this, aren't we? You may have a brother that you don't get along with all that well. I encourage you to find ways to, to be with that brother or that sister. Find ways to, to come together at, at, at somehow so that you can encourage one another. But the other side of that is, is this, that it, it's okay to have special friends too. You know, we can't be best friends with everybody. Remember in grade school, high school, your BFF? Can't have too many BFFs, can you? Usually, well, it's supposed to be one, right? It's okay to have that close circle of friends. Our Lord had that close circle. We see it in Scripture how Peter and James and John were that innermost circle with the Lord. And the Lord had this special relationship with Mary and Martha and Lazarus, two sisters and a brother. Several times that he was in their home, even raised Lazarus from the dead. But there was a special connection that he had with that family, and he would go there often. So it's okay to, to have those special friends too, but not to the exclusion of others. Let's be inclusive. Let's look for ways that we can be together with each and every one of ourselves. I'll leave you with this from Psalm 55. It says, For it is, it is not an enemy who reproaches me, then I could bear it. Nor is it one who hates me, who has exalted himself against me, then I could hide myself from him. But is, is you, a man of my equal, my companion and my familiar friend, we who have a sweet fellowship together, walked in the house of God in the throng. Doesn't that sum up? I should have started with that, shouldn't I? Save us all some time. It's that fellowship that we're looking for, that brother or sister in Christ. We share so much. Our faith, our, our goals, where do we want to go? We're, we're hopefully on the same road, right? We share so much with our brethren. Why not share every aspect of our lives together? I encourage you to look for those ways to, to be together to be in each other's homes, to meet each other out somewhere and, and do something together, have a lunch, have a cup of coffee, be together, celebrate your fellowship in the Lord Jesus Christ. If you're not a child of God, I would encourage you to become so, so that you can indeed share in this fellowship, that you can be a, a child of God and be a brother with Christ. What a wonderful companionship that is. If as a child of God you're not living up to his expectations, I would encourage you to make that right. Whatever you might need, you can come forward as we stand and sing to encourage you.